the message uh, is a little bit of Pentecost, um, a little bit of graduation, and just a little bit of what I have been reflecting on um, this past week. So trying to bring all those three together. We'll see how it works. Uh, what I'd like to do, though, is to begin by reading out of Mark chapter 12, starting with verse 13, and I'll reference this passage later in my message. Mark chapter 12, starting with verse 13. And they sent some of the Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap him, that is Jesus, in his words. And they came to him and they said, Teacher, we know that you're genuine and you don't worry about what people think. You don't show favoritism, but you teach God's way as it really is. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes or not? And since Jesus recognized their deceit, he said to them, well, why are you testing me? Bring me a coin, show it to me. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? Caesar's, they replied. Well, Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And his reply left them overcome with wonder. A few years ago, Linda and I were away for the weekend in the mountains, and I had taken with me my usual stack of books. Now, in a new place, it's sometimes hard for me to get to sleep. Sometimes it's always hard for me to get to sleep. So I started on my stack of books that first night, and one of the books I had brought with me was a pretty typical personal development, personal growth book, one that was more self-help in nature. I figured it wouldn't take too much concentration to read it, so I just dove right in. Now, early in my reading, the author asked the reader to simply take a moment and to come up with three words they felt described the kind of life they would like to live. And I remember at that moment, I thought, well, you know, this is kind of silly. But as soon as I thought that thought, three words came to my mind. And these three words were generous, generative, and genuine. In other words, somewhere deep in my soul was this longing to live a generous life. Somewhere deep in my soul was this longing to live a generative life, to generate that which is good. And somewhere in my soul there was this longing to live a genuine life. Now, there was no huge unpacking around these words in that moment. I found myself, though, returning to them multiple times. They become kind of my true north for my own personal growth and development. Now, I'm not going to unpack all three of them for you in this message, but I do want to focus on one of them, and that word is genuine. Now, I'm not sure why that word came into my heart and soul when I opened up the book, why it came into my consciousness that day. I'm sure there's something going on that God is trying to tell me and was trying to tell me about my own personal growing edge and my longing, and suffice it to say, I've paid attention to anything in my life or experience that has helped me to understand what it means to live a genuine life or what being genuine actually means and looks like. So one of the first things I was drawn to is a baccalaureate address that I keep in my files, a copy of a speech. It was given at Spelman College on May 4th, 1980 by the African-American pastor, author, teacher, and mystic Howard Thurman, who is also somewhat familiar with Quakers. Now, Howard Thurman grew up among the working poor in the time of segregation in Daytona, Florida, and he went on out of that uh, childhood and uh, his teenage years 
to receive multiple degrees in areas of spirituality and philosophy. Uh, he was a spiritual advisor to Martin Luther King Jr. and other folks in the civil rights movement. And he went on to establish the first racially integrated intercultural church in the United States, the Church for the Fellowship of All Peoples in San Francisco, California. Howard Thurman was uh, and is this kind of spiritual giant who came from just this very quiet, mystical place, but spoke words of wisdom and words of light and words that were just so profound, often few words, but carried such spiritual weight. So in his 1980 baccalaureate address, um, he gave a, a speech that was titled, The Sound of the Genuine, is that word, that's what drew me in, The Sound of the Genuine. And in it, he says this to the graduating students, quote, there is in every person something that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in herself or himself. There is in you something that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. Nobody like you has ever been born. And no one like you will ever be born again. You are the only one. And then, somewhat as a stark warning, he offers this later in his speech, these words. You are only you, or you are the only you that has ever lived. Your idiom, or how you express yourself, is the only idiom or expression of its kind in all the existences. And if you cannot hear the sound of the genuine in you, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. Now that is a very stark image. If you cannot hear, he, he wrote or said or spoke, if you cannot hear the sound of the genuine in you, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. Now every time I read that line about spending our days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls, I, I always think of marionette puppets that only come alive because someone else is pulling on their strings. You think they're alive and they act like they are alive, but they really aren't alive because someone else is pulling on their strings and they are only reacting to that pull. Which made me think, how often do we act like we're alive? But we really aren't alive or we're really not acting in our true self, or at least it's not the real us. Instead, we are only living a life that is the result of the strings someone else is pulling. And this is how we spend our days. This is the word, this is part of the speech that Howard Thurman gave to these graduates that day. Now these strings, they may be expectations that reach way back into our past. There may be pressure from groups or significant others or family. Sometimes society pulls our strings by trying to define for us what is successful and how you can fit in and what it means to really make it. Whatever it is, we often spend our days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls, to use the words of Howard Thurman. Now, near the end of his speech to these Spelman College graduates, Howard Thurman offers this advice and encouragement, quote, cultivate the discipline of listening to the sound of the genuine in yourself. Cultivate the discipline of listening to the sound of the genuine in yourself, which really is a way of reminding us that listening and identifying the sound of the genuine in ourselves is a life's work. 
In fact, it may be our main life's work. To cultivate a discipline means it takes time. It takes effort. It takes practice. It takes intention. A disciplined athlete goes out every day and practices the same drills every day. A disciplined musician goes out every day and practices the same drills every day. It's practice, practice. It's intention. They cultivate this discipline. And Howard Thurman invites us to cultivate the discipline of listening to the sound of the genuine in yourself. It is a life's work. It's about making the necessary space in my life to listen to my own life and to listen deeply for the sound of the genuine. And that really is hard and can be challenging because we may be so caught up in listening to all the other things going around us. We may be so caught up in listening to all the other voices around us, voices of expectation, voices of fear, voices of approval. We spend our days listening to all these other voices that we never make space to listen for that voice or that genuine sound within us. Now, this does beg the question, what does the genuine sound look like? If I'm going to listen to it, if I'm going to cultivate the discipline, how do I know it when I hear it? Well, first, I think it sounds like our true voice. In other words, our values, our understandings, our experiences, and our truth. It's not a muted or edited voice, but it is a true voice that sounds genuine, and we recognize it as our voice. So often, we are mimicking other people's voices. So often, we're mimicking other people's values. So often, we're mimicking other people's stances or positions. But what is my voice? What is your voice? What is your true voice? The Quaker author, Parker Palmer, writes how the world needs people who will make that pilgrimage towards their true self and their voice. And he writes that it is a pilgrimage we should make, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of the world. And then he adds this. The world still waits for the truth that will set us free. My truth, your truth, our truth. The truth that was seeded in the earth when each of us arrived here formed in the image of God. Cultivating that truth is the authentic or genuine vocation of every human being. Well, Parker Palmer is really saying that God has created all of us. We are all created in the image of God. And within that image, within that seed of us, the Quakers often talk about the seed within our hearts, lies that very authentic, genuine person that God has created us to be. And in that genuine, authentic person is our true voice, our truth as we share it, as we speak it, as we live it. And as we listen to God, it's a truth that lines up with God's intentions and purposes for our world. So first, the genuine sounds like our true voice, your voice. What's the voice you want to give to the world? Second, it sounds and looks like my gifts, my talents, my abilities, your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. We all have gifts, and these gifts are both inherent in who we are and they're God-given. In many ways, the life we live is a gift, and giving back our lives in service to the world is our gift. So within all of that, there is this unique expression of our talents, our gifts, and our abilities, including how we express ourselves. Again, Parker Palmer believes we arrive in the world with birthright gifts, and that we often spend the first half of our lives abandoning them in deference to the expectations of others or culture, which basically means all, maybe all the way up to 40. We spend half our time abandoning our gifts because we think, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do, or this is what I'm supposed to do, or this is who I am. Part of that's a natural journey, and part of that is we've just abandoned our true self and our true gifts way too early. 
And then he writes, the second half of our life is often a journey of reclaiming these gifts. Now, I think you can do that in the first half, but I think particularly in the second half of our life, it's a fertile time, it's a, it's a, it's a, a perfect season to pay attention to our own gifts, to pay attention to our strengths and our abilities, to our birthright gifts that God has given us. And to realize that that is what makes us who we are. And that is our genuine self. That is our authentic self. That is the sound of the genuine within us. So listen to your life and listen to your gifts and those talents and abilities that are just calling to express themselves and that give you energy and help you feel alive when you live out those gifts. And third, the genuine sounds real. And it doesn't look or act fake or doesn't look or act insincere. You know, I think it's easy to go through life with a persona that is a role or image we adopt out of acceptance or accommodation or even fear of rejection. And I know that because it's something I tend to do, quite honestly. It's easy for me to put on a persona, to project the kind of person I think people want to see or hear or experience. Now, whatever it is, it's not us. But it's who we think we're supposed to be or who we may pretend to be. And the fruit of all that is usually insincerity. And it often gets in the way of our main calling, which is that of love. And I think love is really the main calling of all of us. God is love. That's what the scripture says. And if God is love and we are created in the image of God, then it just goes to, uh, to reason that our main calling is that of love. Paul wrote to the Romans these words, Love should be shown without pretending. Or as another translation puts it, let love be genuine. See, there's a lot at stake when we're not genuine. And when we're not genuine, the first casualty is usually love. Because when we're not genuine, we can't love well, if at all. So the sound of the genuine sounds real, and it doesn't look or act fake or insincere. We're just simply being who we are in love, in compassion, in kindness, in service to the world and to those around us. This passage I read in Mark's Gospel, there is this encounter with Jesus and the Pharisees. And Mark says that their goal is to trap Jesus in his own words. Now, the problem is this. It's really hard to trap a person in their own words when they are speaking from a place of integrity and authenticity. Because you can only trap a person in their own words when they come from a place of duplicity. And Jesus never came from a place of duplicity. He always came from a place of authenticity, a place of integrity. He was integrated. His whole self was integrated aligned with God, aligned with God's purposes, and aligned with a focused intent to live those out in his life. So the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they say, Teacher, we know that you're genuine, and you don't worry about what other people think. Well, listen to those words. We know that you're genuine, and you don't worry about what other people think. Maybe that's the sign of what it means to live in the way of Jesus, is not to worry about what other people think. You don't show favoritism, but you teach God's way as it really is. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes or not? Now, don't get too caught up in the tax question that you miss the larger revelation. And that being this, the Pharisees recognized this in Jesus. We know that you're genuine. And you don't worry about what people think. That's what they saw in Jesus. So could it be? That faithfully following Jesus and living in the way of Jesus is to simply live a genuine life and not worry about what people think 
and to not show favoritism. Not in an arrogant way, because Jesus' life doesn't give evidence of that. Rather, his genuine life was marked by love, compassion, and concern for the most vulnerable. And his biggest priority, his first priority, was aligning himself with God's dream, God's intentions for the world. His least concern was what people thought about him or what people thought about his ministry. To live a genuine life, I believe, is to, is to discover our true selves as created by God and in the image of God. It's embracing both the conclusions in our life as well as the contradictions in our lives and realizing that both have something to offer the world in which we live. To live a genuine life is to embrace the value of who we are as well as the value of the gifts we have to offer the world for all of its healing and its wholeness. And that which is genuine is of much more value than that which is fake or a facsimile. The genuine, the real article, is always more valuable than that which is fake. And I believe Parker Palmer gets it right when he offers these words out of his book, Let Your Life Speak. Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it, it intends to do with you. Before you tell your life what truth and value you have decided to live up to, let your life tell you what truth you embody and what values you represent. So, on this graduation weekend, my encouragement to the graduates and all folks graduating is listen for the sound of the genuine in you. Listen for who God has created you to be. Listen for that truth in you. Listen for that true self in you. Listen and pay attention to your birthright gifts and show up in the world as that genuine self, as the one self, the only self that God ever created. There is no other like you. Show up as that person and live it out in goodness and faith and hope for the flourishing of the world. And on this Pentecost Sunday, allow the Spirit to enter our lives, your life, my life, and to grant us courage and to grant us understanding and to grant us clarity and wisdom to show who we really are and who we truly can be, just as the Spirit did with the early church, pushing them out into the world, pushing them out into the unknown, pushing them into places and helping change their minds and create new understanding and new paradigms and new ways of seeing the world which did not show favoritism, but yet accepted all and created a much more inclusive church. They listened for the sound of the genuine in them, and the genuine came to them through the Spirit. So friends, let's listen for the sound of the genuine in all of us. Let's let our lives speak, not only to our world, but also to our hearts and souls, and listen for the genuine in you. It's a life's work. We never graduate from it. We just keep on living it and learning it every day.